You are Locked On NC State, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. And ladies and gentlemen, I've been quoting the guy all week. I've been talking about his work and him being out there and, and being the boots on the ground all week. And now we've got him on the show, the one and only Jalen Harrington. He was at camp, so that of course we're going to talk camp. Of course we're going to talk the under-over for wins, which I found to be a little ridiculous. But we're also going to talk some of the other under-overs because uh, those those were a little bit more interesting and intriguing uh, for me personally. How you doing today, Jalen? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great as always, man. It's great to have you on the show. Um, first of all, again, like I, like I said, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, being out here with us. Now, you were at camp in person the first couple days. Am I, am I correct about that? Right. So they let us in for the very first practice. Um, okay. We got to watch for about an hour. So, yeah, we were there for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So just talk. take me through some of your takeaways because I read your, your takeaways article. I, and like I said, I quoted a few times. Take me through uh, what your thoughts were and, and, and maybe some things that you're like, I wanted to put in an article, but I still wanted the article to be readable and didn't want to go on uh, forever in a day. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing that struck me was just the atmosphere. Um, so when they first started out, there was no music at all. It seemed like a very business-like setting. And then, uh, you know, as they actually got into their drills, the music's playing, the vibes are high. Uh, players are saying things that I just absolutely cannot print. Um, it, it, it's just, it is a hype, hype atmosphere. I think the biggest thing that strikes me about this team is they're really, really professional. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of veterans on this team, and um, I think the big thing for me is they really know how to separate out their emotion from the work. So they're super, super dialed into everything they're doing. Um, and there were really no surprises. You know, when you talk about separating your emotion from the work and doing what you need to do from a standpoint of controlling your emotions and all that, I think that one of the key pieces on this team uh, in Tanner Engel is going to have to do a great job of that um, in this upcoming season because he was injured for a few games. He was ejected out of, what was it, three, two or three last year? So, it, it puts the team at a disadvantage to uh, have a player who flies around, is instinctive, knows how to make plays, is willing to lay his body on the line, but also doing so in an uncontrolled manner that now we've lost you and we got to go to uh, freshmen or walk-ons or receivers who now have to be converted over to DB. Just a, a, a thought on that? Yeah, I would say, you know, how Tanner Engel uses his head is going to be very important this year. You know, he is the leader of that secondary. He's the most veteran in that secondary. He has the most experience. And sure, he has a guy in Cyrus Fagan behind him now, the transfer from Florida State, right. where, you know, if he misses a game, it's not the end of the world now. Mm -hmm. But still, you know, you never want to uh, have this defense on the field and not have Tanner Engel out there. So I think, you know, for him, it's really just understanding the targeting rules, understanding that, Yes, it's important that you're willing to put your body on the line for the defense, but also, hey, man, we need you for all 12 games. Exactly, exactly. And also, at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that I think folks need to realize is 
when you set a tone, when you are a certain, when you give a certain amount of physicality, the, the jitters are already there. The receivers are already going to alligator arm that thing. You don't have to drive through every receiver's neck for them to know like, oh, yeah, that 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 uh, number 10 kid, he's he's coming and he's coming with some bad intentions. He's he's coming and he's coming with some nastiness behind it. He's going to be a little spit and grit on that hit when he gets to you. But now sticking with the theme of the secondary, tell me what your first thoughts were uh, on how well the secondary played in day one because they were a group that you mentioned uh, stood out to you. Tell me what it was in particular that stood out about the secondary. Well, I think uh, whenever the press goes to see the very first practice, the one thing we wait on is the very last thing they do before they kick us out, and that is the one-on-ones. And uh, the secondary won the one-on-ones pretty handily. Um, it was very, very hard to get a completion on them. They were physical, they were disciplined, and they were playing the ball well. Um, one player that really stood out to me is actually going to be part of the second group, but Devin Boykin and Nickelback, I mean, he had a couple really nice pass breakups. I mean, completions were not easy, and the big thing really is the guys are playing well. Brian Mitchell has coached them up, and they also, they go two to three deep at every single spot. So you like where you are. You've got a couple injured players coming back, and Chris Ingram and Tashawn Smith. So, I mean, it's not normal for the secondary to be good at NC State. And I'm not saying it, yeah, and, and, and I'm not saying it's going to be the best part of this defense, but right. man, you feel good about this side of the football and you feel good kind of letting the, uh, the linebackers in the front do their thing and allowing the secondary to cover in the back end. I'll tell you what, if there's even a competition for what the best unit on defense is, with the not only the, the experience, but with the sheer talent, I'm talking outright, if you look at these guys as far as the recruits that they are or they were and what they look like going forward as far as NFL prospects, the sheer talent, I mean, you got you have the one of the best starting linebacker groups in the country. That, that cannot be debated. You cannot name me any grouping of players as far as linebackers go. You can't name me five of them in this country that are better than Isaiah Moore, Peyton Wilson, Drake Thomas. You can't name. You, you just can't. And then when you look behind them, look at what they got coming off the bench. And like you talked about with the defensive backs, depth on depth on depth on depth. And even the youngest of guys that they're bringing in, Jordan Poole looks like a he looks like a stud so far. From what everybody's saying, he has he is physically all there. Uh, during spring ball, he was swimming a little bit mentally, but that's to be expected, and that's why you want your freshmen to enroll early so they can go ahead and get that experience out their way, and then they start to develop and, and learn and, and start to get it more as opposed to them showing up in the middle of the year and like, all right, this is the first time I've ever seen college offenses. Yeah, no, I mean, Jordan Poole looks good. Caden Forden, also, don't forget that name. He is alongside Jordan. I mean, the future is bright at linebacker, you also have some young guys that have been growing for the past three years. You've got, um, geez, I'm blanking on the names. You've got Jalen Scott and also Devon Betty, and they're rounding out the second group with Levi Jones. Or yeah, with Levi Jones. So, I mean, this linebacking core, it is. You know, Dave Dorn was asked after the first practice, "Is this the best group of linebackers you've ever coached?" And he said, "Uh, oh, there's a couple that I've had. He's never had a group like this." You know, Not like this. I, and, and I'll tell you, 
It's it's very interesting because if you look over Dave Doran's uh, coaching career, right, he has been at some of the biggest of big names as far as not just like, oh, any particular position, but the biggest of big names as far as any anything would go, right? You look at a USC, you look at a Wisconsin, you look at Kansas back when they were decent. But here's here's what I, I'm, I'm looking at here, right? Even, like you said, he hasn't had a, a full linebacking core like this because, I mean, even at Wisconsin, when you talk about uh, having Borland there and, and having the other guys like him there, that team overall, that team as a whole, that linebacking core as a whole, they did not have it like this. They did not have a guy like a Peyton Wilson who – I and I've asked this to all of my friends who do talent evaluation for a living. I said – what is the the thing that you say Peyton cannot do at at least like uh he'll be serviceable in the NFL at it? And I've I've only heard one time rushing the passer off the edge. I've only heard that one time. That's that's it. Nothing else. Everybody else, oh yeah, pretty much he can do it all at a at a high level. So uh when you start off with that as your base and then you go to a guy like Isaiah Moore who is gonna be very good downhill and, and filling things, and even in uh, pass coverage, he his hips are a little tight, but he is very instinctive and knows where he's supposed to be. And then a guy like Drake Thomas, who is if he was if he was three four inches taller, he'd be on everybody's draft boards. Like that's just the reality there. So I mean, I this linebacking core, like you said, depth, talent, experience, you can't ask for more. You really and truly can't ask for more. So we'll we'll definitely be on the lookout for that going forward. And like you said, the future is bright at the linebacker position. Well, hell, if the future is bright and the present is bright, you might have to throw your stunner shades on because we in for a good time here in Raleigh. I'm just saying. That's that's just my thought on the deal. And we'll talk about the offense after we get back. But like we talked, like you said, Doran's built something special with this team. He's built something special with the way that he recruits. He's built something special with that linebacking core. So, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be appreciated there. And as a defensive lineman, I'm a person who believes, or I'm sorry, as a former defensive lineman, I ain't put my hand in the dirt in some years. But as a former defensive lineman, I'm a person who believes that you don't really know who players are for real, especially in the trenches, until the pads come on. So so we'll talk about the trenches and the other side of the ball in just a second. But before we do, I've got to talk to you all about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. And it has nine delicious flavors. Coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. My favorite flavor is the grasshopper mint cookie. It's a limited edition. Don't worry. It's not important that you know what that is. But they've got a ton of those to go along with the uh, nine permanent fixtures. And if you haven't had all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine. Not only is Bill Bar great tasting, but they're healthy too. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and net carbs. All tasty, all healthy, all in one. And by the way, those, the portions that I just told you were not, well, they are per serving, but a serving is a bar with Bill Bar. So you're not having to count and worry like, oh man, I'm eating that three times over so I can only eat a third. No, go for it. Bill Bar is also the official protein of U.S. Uh, track and field. Go to BillBar.com to use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. 
Again, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at BillBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, Jalen, we spend a lot of time talking about the defense, what they are at a lot of levels there. Talk to me about the offense. Tell me what were your thoughts on the offense. Again, you could talk about something that you did say in your article or something that you wanted to get in there, but you couldn't quite get it in, get it in print. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think, you know, let's just start at the top. Um, so, Devin Leary's back. He looks good. He looks just like he did last year. I, I was completely you know, comfortable and fine with what I saw from him. As far as the running backs, I think Bam is a little bigger now. He's put on some muscle. Ricky has slimmed down a bit, which is very, very good to see. I think he was a little too heavy the last couple years. I think he'll be more explosive now that he's slimmed down a bit. Um, but really, I spent a long time looking at the offensive line. Um, and I think the one thing that I wish I put in print was and how I don't want people to focus too much on what ha- uh, what's happening at left guard. Really, the story's right guard and Derek Eason. I talked to John Garrison about two years ago when Derek Eason first made the switch over to offensive line, and he was raving about the guy already. So I think, you know, Derek Eason is really someone that's an underrated player on this offense. If he's starting now at right guard, I think that he's going to be kind of a really important figure on the right side of that line, and I'm really excited to see what he looks like once they actually put the pads on. You know, the the most important thing to me about when you talk about an offensive line and, and what they are or not, when you run a, a scheme like ours where it's zone runs, I believe it's something like 70% of NC State's runs, maybe the, the percentage may be higher than that, all zone runs, right? When you have that type of scheme, you have to have players who are physical, nasty, downhill type of guys because the fact of the matter is if you have a bunch of position blockers in a zone running scheme, you're going to have a a very hard time. And why do I say you're going to have a hard time? Because zone offense is naturally create a situation where defenders kind of go where they want to go to a certain extent. You're just looking to get one or two guys cut off or you're looking to get just a lane or two where you're running back and find it. If you, in the best zone running schemes, you have physical nasty maulers, which we do in Big A, but you're telling me, and Grant Gibson as well, a guy who may be the best center in the country, but you're telling me that the right guard is the position to look at, not just where we might have a position battle brewing at left. Yeah, and, and I think part of it does extend from the fact that Derek Eason comes from the defensive side. I think that, um, you know, when I talked to John Garrison, he was telling me he really does like to convert defensive guys to the offensive side because there's something about their mentality where he doesn't have to teach the nastiness. He doesn't have to teach the aggressiveness. He has to teach the fundamentals. Where are you going? What are you doing? But, you know, what's up here, I mean, you know, he doesn't have to teach that. So I think 
he's going to be really impressive. Dylan McMahon also has a, a, a hot streak. He's another nasty guy that wants to put his face on someone. So I think, yeah, at, at offensive line, you've got some dudes there. They are big, they are physical, and, uh, yeah, they want to put their hands on you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we talk about the amount of weapons that uh, Devin Leary has coming back at his disposal. And one of the more interesting things I found is you're saying that the defensive backs were locked down, shut down, and it was tight. That's so that's so fascinating to me because I know that this is a quality group of receivers. I know that Jordan Houston moving the receiver adds depth, adds adds some make you a guy who has to make you miss in him. He may not be the uh, a four 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 three guy, but he definitely has to make you miss in him. And um, the fact of the matter is, normally the first day when nobody has pads on, it's easy to get open. It's easy to catch balls and all that. But it like you said, it was a testament to the defense and and it wasn't a situation where you think the offense was just uh kind of moping around, running lazy sloppy routes and and losing focus at the moment of truth. It's just defenders playing great football. So I I, I get that. But now when you're looking at the receiving core, is there anything that jumped out to you there? Uh well, the first thing that jumped out is Emeka Mezzi was not out there. Um, so you are out your very top receiver. Um, the next thing that jumps out, um, everyone was shut down, I will say, except for whichever guy had to check uh, Thayer Thomas. Mm. Thayer Thomas uh, always wins one-on-one, um, and that was no different when we were at practice. So he was just having his way when he was out there. I also think, um, you know, my thoughts on the wide receiver position group have been kind of consistent and that I think it's good to have this older crop of guys um, but NC State has tried to move to a different mold of wide receiver uh, since the Emeka Mezzi's and Devin Carter's and CJ Rice have gotten there no. and um, and so the younger guys aren't getting their chance to shine yet you know Anthony Scott a burner Chris Scott a burner Jalen Coit a burner those guys aren't getting to see the field and they're taking some time to develop. And I think, you know, if those guys are out there and they're your top receivers in a year or two, you're going to be really, really happy with how explosive your wide receiver group is. Right now, it's solid. It's serviceable. You know, you can win games with it. But I think with this receiver group, you're really looking at Porter Rooks. Like, hey, what can you do for me? Can you be that downfield threat? Can you, ca- can you catch those tough balls? Can you be the guy that's always, you know, trying to take the top off the defense? Because that's what this wide receiver group is missing right now, and that's what they need. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, the fact of the matter is having big bodies who can win at the, uh, at the moment of truth is great. It's great. It's, it's important. But if you don't have the ability to take the tops off the defenses, what happens is defenses and defenders as individuals – they start to, all right, you know what? We're going to jump everything. Because even if I jump this and I'm wrong, I've got the speed to recover. Even if I'm wrong, even if I guess that they're running that same old hitch and I'm wrong, all right, side. He gets by me, he'll have to win a contested catch. And they call him 50-50 balls for a reason. Even if he is 6'5", it becomes a 70-30 ball. I still like that 30 a lot. I still like my 30 more than I would uh, just liking to give away 100% guarantee he gets this ball in this flat, I've got to make this tackle, and he may gain seven to eight yards along the way. So that's that's a very, very interesting thing to think about there. And, of course, we got to talk about it because we 
Devin Leary coming off his injury. How is he looking? And by the way, I have talked about a lot that I'm how high I am on De'Aaron King, but the time in which he tore his ACL, I'm very concerned for for that offense. And everybody is telling me that I'm seeing something crazy here. But when it comes to Devin Leary, how's he looking? What do you think? Uh, any any takeaways from his play on day one? And also at QB two, does it look like it's it's McLaughlin and then Finley or Finley then McLaughlin? What are you thinking there? Right, I'll, I'll start up with the backup situation. Ben Finley's the two. Uh, Aaron Aaron takes snaps with the threes, so that that's pretty set in stone, I think, and I think that'll remain that way throughout this year. Um, as far as how Devin looks, uh, there's a big difference between when Devin's throwing and when the other two are throwing. Devin is so confident out there. I think that's the biggest thing that strikes me is his confidence. Um, he's also just, his arm power is on a different level than the other two guys. Um, the accuracy, not always there, but it's early in fall camp. Um, I don't think that's much of an issue. Um, I think that with Devin Leary, you'll take a little bit of an accuracy hit versus Ben um, because Devin can really push the ball down the field. He's super comfortable and confident in the system now. And with Devin, he's got the game experience. He's going to trust what he sees. I think that He's hold not going to be. Hold the, on, wait a minute. Run that back by me. Go ahead. You said that you're going to take an accuracy hit with who now? With did I say a wrong name? I'm sorry. With Devin. Okay. All versus right. versus Finley, versus Finley. So you're you're talking about Finley's being a little more accurate than McLaughlin at this point. Uh, I would say right now Finley's the most accurate QB. Really. And 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 well, I would say. He depends on that accuracy too because he doesn't have the gun. Right. So he have when he throws the ball, fifty yards. Right. He's got to be able to place it exactly where it needs to be. Otherwise, it's getting picked. I think with Devin, he's got ball placement too up here. He knows where he needs to put the ball. It's not always exactly there, but he's also got the arm power to push it downfield. And you take that. You take that, uh, uh, you know, this versus that, that pro versus con, I think, at this point, for sure, okay. especially given his experience. All right. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. That's that's the first I've heard of that. And so, that, because I, I had thought that it was like uh, Leary is probably the, the best, most well put together because of the experience, the arm, and the accuracy. Um, and... Finley was the guy who bought you a little more athleticism, a little more time and accuracy underneath. And McLaughlin was the big, big guy, big arm. And uh, he can throw it as far as he wants to. You just got to understand the offense and, and get that. Sure, you can push it 60 yards, but it needs to land in the receiver's hands at the end of that 60 type of deal. But okay, all right, I, I can I can understand that. That's, that's reasonable and understandable. All righty, so with everything that we have talked about so far, uh, what what position group are you expecting, or did it look like took the biggest jump forward from the from the end of last season to now? That's a good question. That's a good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with O line, mm, just okay. because just because of how how banged up they were at the end of the season last year. I mean, the O line it was death by a thousand cuts. You had so many people going down. You had so many guys where, you know, your starting lineup wasn't the same week to week. And now, you know, you're adding guys back that were injured. You're adding Tyrone Riley, who was a starter last year. He's a backup now. Sure, he's coming off of injury, but it's a pretty good backup to have. 
Um, I think, you know, the offensive line is also extremely deep. They add two really impressive transfers um, in Anthony Belton and then Chandler Zavala. And I think, you know, you shore up every single deficiency you thought you had at O-line. You've also got young guys, and you've got a really good teacher in John Garrison. I think that's the position group that's taken the biggest step forward, mostly because they had a lot of room to grow. Right, right. I understand that. I understand that if, if you're if you're closer to the floor, you got a lot more room to get to a ceiling. I, I get that. Uh, so, we'll, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what this season is. And, and before we get out of here, we're, we got to talk about the uh, some of these under-overs real quick. And we don't got much time left, so we're going to have to do a lightning round right in, right out. We'll be right back after these messages, folks. So, Jalen, I, I don't know if you've heard or not. We talked about this a little bit off air. The under-over for NC State for wins is six and a half. Just give me a under-over and give me two sentences explaining why. Um, over, because eight wins would be a disappointment this year. Uh, I would say ten. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, the passing yards for Devin Leary was, I believe, it was uh, 3,400. No, 3,277. Under-over. That's high. Wow. Uh, just under. Just under. I okay. think that the running game is going to do a lot. Okay. Okay. They've got Devin Leary as uh, passing for 24 touchdowns. Under, over. Over. They passed for a lot of touchdowns last year, actually. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Bam Knight is, I want to say his is at about 957, I want to say. The, the yardage is 957. Under, over. Over, I think they switched to only using two running backs uh, for most of this year. Okay, all right, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming out, Jalen. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate having you on every time. Support the students in media, all right? If you ain't been over there, I tell y'all all the time, yes, I quote the technician a lot because guess what? I'm a technician alum. I know the great work they do. I know they aren't over there putting out yin-yang and riffraff, all right? We may not have the budget of some other schools, but... We have the talent. We have the folks there. And this is one talented young man. Jalen, tell the folks where they can find your work. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram, wherever, at Jalen underscore underscore one. All righty. Thank you so much. Thank you all so very much for coming out. Like I said, the numbers keep going up only because you all are listening, you're liking it, and you're sharing it. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it endlessly. Let's keep this thing growing. Let's keep this platform growing so we can get – more and more great coverage of, of all the things going on at NC State, good, bad, or indifferent going on as far as sports goes, all right? Peace and love, y'all, and as always, go back. You are Locked On NC State, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.